is the 411 from 406. My name is Chewy, and I am joined once again for the last time in 2021 by my brother from another mother, Mr. Pip. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. And I promised you on this last podcast that we did that we would speak again before the end of this year. And I always make good on my promises. So here we are, 406. We're back in front of your, your smiling faces for, uh, for one final podcast. You did indeed, and uh, and I'm glad that we are able to make this happen. As we were trading some texts this morning, I was not feeling well this morning, and so I'm going to kind of power through as much as I can here today. I am uh, fueled by bourbon, so I'm uh, in, in much better spirits, no pun intended, than I was earlier this morning. Well, you are a man amongst men, my friend, because if I get a little bit of a sniffle, I'm pretty sure I'll COVID test myself six times and then probably call off work for the next four days, so... I admire your uh, your your ability to persevere through uh, you know your not feeling well because it's it's definitely not fun. It is it is the dedication to the cause and it is the dedication to the listeners of the four one one from four zero six that is that is powering me forward. That and bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, that's that's. I mean, what else do you need? I think that covers everything. But tell me, how was uh, how were your how was your Christmas? How was everything with the family? It, it, it was good. It was good. It was, um, you know, it was, a, it was relatively low key. Um, we actually, we stick around to, I mean, even in non COVID years, we stick around, everybody is relatively local. And so we do, um, Christmas Eve at my in-laws and Christmas day at my parents. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's just, it's all family and it's, it's nice and low key. And it was, it was good. How about yourself? Yeah, same. Everything was good. We spent a lot of time with family as we usually do. Uh, my wife's family lives pretty close by. So we get the opportunity to spend a lot of the holidays with them. So from Thanksgiving, pretty much till the end of the year, we see them quite a bit, which is awesome because they're, they're fantastic. I got super lucky in the uh, in-law lottery when it came to, uh, you know, getting a, a pretty good family to marry into. So we get to spend a lot of time with them. A lot of good food, uh, nice, big, juicy beef tenderloin for Christmas, which was fantastic. Oh, nice. It was just a little bit bloody the way that I like it. So it was it was really fun. And of course, I- I'm sure it was the same for you. But for us, it was like 60 degrees, maybe a little bit warmer. And it was a real trip to to have it be that warm on Christmas. I think it's been that way before, but not very often, obviously. I haven't seen a a decent snowfall yet. And we're, we're almost done with the year at this point. So I'm not sure who doesn't believe in global warming, <laughs> but if you, uh, if you don't just look out your window, cause like there's some really weird shit going on with the weather. Yeah. It, yeah. It wasn't quite that nice here, but yeah, it had to be, it was in the either high forties or low fifties. And again, for Cleveland, you know, on Christmas day, that's, that's pretty warm. Um, yeah. I think we've had one snow, and and that was like a month ago at this mm. point so yeah we haven't yeah and today it was in the 50s as well here so yeah it's been in what run as we record this it's january 30th so yeah or i'm um, december 30th yeah so it's crazy yeah very much so but hey yeah so we've we've got some fun things to talk about and, and kind of recap so when trying to think about what would be a good topic for our last podcast of the year 
I felt like it made the most sense to really try to tackle uh, what a lot of media websites try to do and talk about some of our, our favorite events from 2021. And God knows it didn't give us a whole lot, right? Because we're in year two of this awful pandemic that we're trying to struggle through. But there were definitely some nuggets of inspiration that were sprinkled throughout the year. And so I thought, why not, why not do that? And let's talk about our top five nerd moments of 2021. Uh, you know, moments that would certainly include a lot of the topics that we either have or would talk about on the 406 podcast. That, that sounds like an awesome idea. Um, I, I do want to point out, so I actually looked just now, this is the 33rd podcast that we have recorded Ooh, in 2020, all right. which, is, which, is, you know, which is good, right? No, it's great. It's fantastic is what it is. Yeah. You, you know, it, it's not quite the one per week, but it's also not once every two weeks either, which is awesome. So I'm, I'm really pumped that we have been able to get into some sort of a some sort of a rhythm here, which is which is just yeah. awesome. I mean, my understood number one spoiler alert is the fact that we still have this podcast that we've been doing this for over a year at this point together. I mean, you've been doing it a little bit longer with some of your solo efforts. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Because the first let's see, let's let's go back. Yeah, well, now, you know, now that I'm looking at it. So the, the WWF round two Mount Rushmore was on May 20 may 30th okay. 2020 yeah so we are yeah we're, so we're doing we're doing good i'm yeah i i i i didn't quite know what to what this was going to turn into um but i do have to say that i've i've really really enjoyed it and i really look forward to it and i really get bummed when we can't do it and most of the time when we have to push it it's because of my schedule so thanks for dealing with me oh i, I mean ditto obviously uh we, we both have families we both have obligations we both have things to do that our wife, our respective wives think are slightly more important than this podcast. So, you know, we, we struggle through it the best that we can. If anything, it's just a great excuse to get to talk to you, you know, way more often than we probably ever have, to be honest, and not mm -hmm. because of a lack of friendship, just because, you know, it's, there's all kinds of things going on, but this is, this yeah. has been a nice way to sort of prioritize our mutual man crushes and be able to to hang out and talk and and you know get all this nerdy shit out of our system yes indeed indeed all right so we're, we're doing top five nerdy things of 2021 yeah okay so it's so it's your topic so why don't you go ahead and kick us okay. off all right so my number five is going to be uh, a topic that we have certainly covered a, a handful of times so i'm not going to belabor too much of this, but I still think it's important for inclusion on this list. At least it is for me. And number five for me was Halloween Kills this year. I really, really loved that movie. We, we dedicated a, an entire podcast to that review, which was really fun because for those who were able to listen, I saw it in the theaters and I think you saw it on Peacock. And then I was able to come home and rewatch it on Peacock. And it really gave me a, a great venue to be able to sit down and you as well, obviously to watch the movie once and, 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 and sit down and take notes and be able to pause it. And it was a really good opportunity to sit down and, and kind of pull everything apart and figure out what we liked about it. And Halloween kills for me was just a real shot of a, adrenaline in a way that I wasn't expecting because this move this year. Okay. Uh, here's what, well, all right, let me, let me start by saying this, podcast is going to be filled with spoiler alerts so we're just going to call that right now because i don't want to be able to bring something up and then not talk about it 
But this year has been filled with ups and downs as it relates to movie sequels, in my opinion, because it's gone up with movies like Halloween Kills. It's gone down with movies like Ghostbusters, unfortunately, and I'll get to it later. Like that one just is not it's not aged well with me in the short amount of time that I've seen it. But Halloween Kills was great. And it really restored my faith in, in their ability to make a decent horror movie sequel of an older franchise, which until, you know, they redid the, the Halloween movie a couple of years back, I didn't think was possible. I just absolutely didn't. And they managed to pull it off and they did such a great job. And I'm really, really crossing my fingers and hoping that when Halloween ends comes out around Halloween of 2022, that it it fits the mold and it provides a nice ending and a nice bow on top of everything that they've put so much effort into rebooting. Yeah. I I couldn't agree with you more. I I absolutely love that film. I love the discussions that we had around Mm -hmm. that film. You know what? I was actually thinking, I was thinking about you the other day as I was reading some reviews of the new matrix movie and which I have not seen yet, but I haven't heard, I haven't heard good things about it. And it made me wonder, it got me to thinking, if Halloween ends sucks, is it going to change the way we think about Halloween kills and the way we think about Halloween 2018? I know we touched on that a little bit. We've talked about that sort of, what do you call it? Like, that's just sort of a a thing that exists. It's It's a theory or it's a postulation or whatever, where a sequel can actually be so good or so bad that it can sort of change your opinion of the movie that came before it. I think the matrix is one that, that I often use. And I, I feel like you agree with that. You know, the first one is basically flawless. I mean, I think we both, I think the entire world loves the first matrix movie. And then the second and the third got progressively worse. And the second one's ability to be a good movie sort of hinged upon how they ended it with the third and the third to me I can't say that it was a bad movie. It just, for me, it didn't hit any of the buttons. It didn't recapture any of the magic of the first movie. And because of that, it really, it makes me not want to revisit the second one because the second one is really more of a gateway into the third one. The first one is a complete standalone. The second and third are more contiguous stories. So watching the third one, not really wanting to have to go through that again, it almost makes the second one harder to get through. So to answer your question, obviously, I don't know yet. I think Halloween Kills is a pretty, I think it's a really good movie, but it's, I don't know that I would call it a standalone movie because it it ends Mm -hmm. in a way that very much sets up, hey, we're, we're continuing this story. And if it ends in a way that's not really great or doesn't really meet all my expectations, then yeah, I feel like Halloween Kills is going to be less fun to watch. I, I still think it's a decent movie but it's going to make it less fun to revisit. I think it's really fun right now because it's setting up something that I, that I haven't seen yet that I'm excited about. So, yeah. I, I, yeah. And that's, that's, that's kind of where I landed. I, I, I landed on, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. I thought the kills were great. And, and if I'm comparing it to the matrix and, and the matrix, what's the second one? Is it revolutions? No, the second one is reloaded. I believe reloaded. Okay. That movie is not, in my opinion, now that second one is really not worth going back to because the third one is just, it's just, and I think I mentioned this before. It's a terrible Matrix movie. It's not a bad like 
yeah. post-apocalyptic movie. It's just a bad Matrix movie. And it makes that second one almost, you don't have to go, you don't have to bother. There's nothing really cool. There's nothing super, you know, mind-blowing in that movie, you know, that you didn't see in that first one. Yeah. So there's mm-hmm. there's really nothing to go back to. Now, I will say that Halloween Kills, I think there's some things in that that even if Halloween Ends is god-awful, I'll still probably go back to that one, certainly more than I would Matrix Reloaded. I think so too. I, I at least that's that's what I hope. But I will say that the the fourth Matrix movie I did watch. I did see that movie, and I'll be interested to hear kind of what you think. I, I will definitely say that it's very different from what I expected, and it's not getting good reviews, and I can understand why. But you know, we'll we'll have to kind of revisit that at another time because I think that that's that's a good conversation. Did you go see that in the theater or did you watch it on HBO? I actually watched it on HBO, which I swore that I wouldn't do. But honestly, the reviews that came out before I had a chance to see it were pretty universally bad. Right. So I'm like, you know what? I don't really think I want to waste my money on this as much as I do have a huge man crush on Keanu Reeves and and give him infinite slack for his lack of genuine acting ability like I just really like the guy and I root for him and I want him to make good movies and I respect the hell out of the fact that he can be in his mid to late 50s at this point and still make action movies that are selling me on everything that he's doing yeah this movie was the first one that I'm like oh I don't I don't know if I feel it they take a lot of really different directions with this so I think you should definitely watch it and and then we can certainly talk about it but it's it's interesting you're number five my my number five, and again, I apologize. I wasn't I wasn't feeling super well today, so I did almost zero prep work for this. But my number five is streaming, and what I mean by that is, you know, it's not that it's not that streaming movies and streaming content or what have you is is new in 2021 by any stretch. But for me, it was the year that it really made it it, um, it enhanced my content watching more than any other year previously. Yeah, I like that. Things like, and again, these are not things that necessarily started in 2021, but when you think about all of the MCU content, when you think about the Mandalorian, when you think about Book of Boba that came out just the other day, when you think about just all this stuff, when you think about the fact that we can go and watch Halloween Kills in the movie and then turn around and watch it at home, you know, like these kind of things, it really has, I think, enhanced the way we content comes into our lives. And I wasn't really pumped about that. I, I, especially when it comes to movies, because, and I think we've, we've talked about on the podcast, I like going to the movie theater. I like the movie theater experience. I like, absolutely. you know, I, I like seeing films the way they were intended to be made and, and the way they were intended to be seen. I like, I like buttered popcorn. I like, you know, like I like that entire experience, but especially in the pandemic age that what we're going into year three at this point, which is just fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Just the idea of sitting down and being able to stream content has really been a game changer. And again, that's not just 2021, but for me, it it was, it was a game changer for me this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really solid uh, choice because you know, streaming has done a lot of things for a lot of us in terms of our ability to just absorb new content. And I think that the opportunity to be able to watch some of this stuff in in such short order. So like I would tack on to everything that you said uh, with, you know, 
movies are making their way to digital on demand even quicker than they ever have in the past. Like if you if you remember, for all of you who are younger out there, you probably don't. But you know, when when physical media was more of a thing, it would take a solid three, four, maybe even five months, depending on oh, how successful easy. the movie yeah. was for yeah. it to even appear on DVD slash Blu-ray slash whatever. And then after that, it would take even longer to get to, you know, streaming platform. Well, back then streaming platforms didn't really exist as much, but or I, I guess substitute streaming platforms for cable services. So mm-hmm. HBO, Showtime, Cinemax, they didn't get these movies until almost a year after they came out. And if it was a huge movie, like a Star Wars movie or something like that, then forget about it. Like it's it's going to be forever before you get a chance to see that. So streaming has really cut down on the turnaround time that it takes to get a movie from the screen, the big screen to your little screen. Right. And I, I just read an article today and I'm kind of pissed. I'm already forgetting what it was, but some big movie that's coming out in March that uh, that they announced is going to be on digital like 45 days later. It's Batman. And, oh, it's Batman. It Batman. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. So like they already announced today that the new Batman movie, which is coming out in March, is going to be out 45 days after it hits theaters. And I think that's amazing. Like that's huge. But that is also a very interesting signal to what's happening with physical media like physical media is all but dead at this point yeah like they still sell it and i i may still buy it depending on what it is but they're basically saying yeah we're not counting on any dollars coming in from people buying the discs anymore we're shoving this stuff directly to the digital platforms because that's where we're making our money off of views and off of subscription rates and things like that so it's, it's really interesting, but I, I agree with you. Very, very long-winded way of saying I agree with you. We took a huge step forward with streaming this year, and HBO Max, whether you like it or whether you don't, was a big part of that because they took a lot of movies like The Matrix and Suicide Squad and, oh, crap, what else was there? Something at the beginning of the year that was huge. Um, I'm forgetting, but like a lot of movies started streaming the day that they were released. I, I think maybe Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman was the Wonder first Woman, one yeah. at the end of last year that did that which we already talked about what a huge pile of shit and mistake that was, but it was an interesting sort of, uh, you know, test to, to roll out to the masses to see, can we make money off of the streaming like we would with the, uh, with the theaters and, and the, yeah. the digital media or the physical media. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. I, I can remember very vividly when, and, and it's funny, you know, when I'm having conversations about streaming platforms and and the best, streaming platforms i always talk about the wwe network as as the best streaming network now so if you remember this came out when it came out wrestlemania what was it was it wrestlemania 30 i mean it's it's already at this point several years old the wwe mm-hmm. network yeah it is. and i rem- and i remember really not being excited about it and at this point, that's that's really all I ever watched WWE. I cannot tell you the last time I watched Raw or SmackDown or anything just on cable TV. I just never sure. watch it. And you know, that's that's partially a function of the fact that I'm busy. And you know, if I if I'm able to watch one pay-per-view a month, that's good. <laughs> you yeah. know, but that's the only way I watch it. And I think it's and even with all my misgivings about when they moved over to Peacock and this, that, and the other thing, it's still the best 10 bucks a month I spend because you get all of that back catalog content 
coming from, you know, if you're a wrestling fan, I mean, you can't beat it. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that moving to Peacock sort of set them back technologically just because I don't like the Peacock app. Uh, I watch it on both the Amazon Fire Stick and the PlayStation 4, and it is terrible in the PlayStation 4. It's really yeah. slow. It's really laggy, and I don't like it. But I will say that it benefited me personally greatly because I have my internet through Xfinity and Xfinity, if you have service with them, they give you Peacock for free. So I don't even pay uh, an additional premium for to, to be able to watch all these pay-per-views now. So for me, it's, it's great. I love it. I think the WWE made a really smart decision. They continue to sort of be on the cutting edge of, of making historic level moves going back to the, the pay-per-view stuff that they did back in the mid eighties to now they're doing their own digital network. And they really sort of, I don't know if they mastered it, but they really pioneered it. I think before any of these other networks did before Peacock ever existed before, certainly not before Netflix, but WWE was a quick adopter of that platform. And I think it really served them well. I agree. All right. Uh, what do you got for number four? So my number four top five nerd moment of 2021 occurred on July 10th of this year. And it was my first concert back at Deer Creek, which is my favorite venue of all time. And it was Jimmy Buffett. And I couldn't think of a better show to go back to. Now I, I need to, I need to add this disclaimer and be very clear about this. I do not find Jimmy Buffett to be a premium level musician. I don't believe in guilty pleasures, but if I did, he would probably be on that list because Jimmy Buffett is not what I would consider great music, but it's a great time. It's a fun show. And to be, and if you've ever been to a Jimmy Buffett show, which I know you have, because you you and I have been there together, it's, it's just a party. It's a huge party of all ages, of, you know, the youngest that are allowed to get in and the oldest that are still walking, go to these shows and they have the greatest time ever. And he sings all his staples and it's, it's just a tremendous amount of fun. So having that as my first show back was just a really, really great experience. I went with, uh, with my wife and some friends and we had a really great time. And, uh, you know, I, I have to take a step back and say, you know, the, selfishly and obnoxiously one of the things that the pandemic really did to affect me was it took away my two greatest uh, releases like the two things that I love to do more than almost anything in the world which is a go to movies and b go to concerts I'm an avid concert goer it's one of my favorite things to do this venue that I talked about Deer Creek uh, I've been there over a hundred times and I know this for a fact because I have a spreadsheet that catalogs every single show I've ever been to because I can't remember anything and I don't ever want to forget this. So when the pandemic hit, I, I definitely felt legitimately clinically more depressed because I couldn't do these things that I really love to do. So getting to go back to my first concert uh, with my wife and with my friends uh, to see Jimmy Buffett was just such an amazing experience at my favorite concert venue ever. And I had some other really great shows over 2021, you know, the Black Crows. I saw Alanis Morissette. I saw some other really good ones. Uh, but that was the one that just sort of like welcomed me back with open arms and open beers and all kinds of really, really great stories. And, and so that's my number four, Jimmy Buffett, July 10th. That, that's a good one. So, so the first concert that I went to was actually in November of this year. It was just recently, I think it was November 30th. And my brother and I went to go see Genesis in Cleveland. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. And 
Genesis and, and, and more specifically, Phil Collins is, is um, I'll say he's in the twilight of his career. How about that? I can, I sure. can say that. It'd be interesting to see if he's older or younger than Jimmy Buffett. I would imagine he's younger, but I don't know. But he's in, he's in bad shape. Physically, he's in bad shape. I mean, he, he can barely walk. He came out and he basically sat on a chair in the center of the in the center of the stage and did not move and just sat there the entire night and sang. Didn't play the drums. His his son actually played the drums and he was amazing. He was just outstanding. And you know, Phil can still sing. You know, he has lost, a, I won't say he's lost an octave. He's not singing down an octave the way a lot of the, the rockers from our age, you yeah. know, did, but, but he's just doesn't kind of have that punch to his voice anymore. But I'll tell you, it was, it was, um, I don't go to nearly the amount of concerts that you do, but it was, it was pretty cool to go into a venue. It was still pretty close to sold out and just kind of feel the energy of a live crowd again. Cause that was the first time that I'd been in one in a long time. And I'm glad I got to do it, especially, you know, now that COVID is ramping up again and this shit is rampant and, but it was, a, it was a, even for that one night, it was a nice break to be able to go back into it at least one more time for a while. That's awesome. And it, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I'm not a huge Phil Collins fan. I'm not a huge Genesis fan, but I'm a huge fan of anybody getting to see a band that they really, really love and really have a good time with it. And it, Turns out Jimmy Buffett is actually 75 years old. Phil Collins is 70 years old. So okay. Buffett's got five years on him and happy belated birthday to Jimmy Buffett, who was born on Christmas Day. Was he really? Look at that's, that. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. How about that? So um, so that's great. I think that's awesome. I'm glad that you got to a show this year. I'm glad that you felt comfortable doing it. I'm, I'm glad that you did so safely and, and hopefully many other people did as well. I really think this world is going to be a better place when we get to the point where we can all sort of go back to those public events that we really enjoy, whether it be concerts or movies, anything you can throw your fist in the air and cheer along to and, and just be really happy about. I think it's it's good for the soul and it, it helps you live longer. Absolutely. All right. So that was my number four. Give me yours. My number four is a, an episode of this podcast that we recorded on, on July 22nd, 2021. Mm-hmm. It was an episode that I actually recorded in the car. I was on the way to pick up my son from his girlfriend's house. And it was the night that we talked about our favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe films. Ooh, nice. I, I thoroughly, I enjoy every discussion that we have but I thoroughly enjoyed that, that conversation. It was very cathartic for me. It allowed me to kind of, you know, get, get some thoughts out. It, it was a conversation where we didn't agree on our top five, yeah, at least on all of them, which was, which was good, which I always kind of like. I mentioned it earlier in the podcast here tonight. The, the MCU has become such a, uh, such a large universe and it continues to grow and they continue to augment it and they continue to add to it, not only with cinematic movies, but with all the things on the Disney network and this, that, and the other thing. I think it's more than fair to say that I think if it hasn't overtaken the star Wars universe, it certainly is getting really close in terms of building a cohesive network of films that all kind of tie in together and are telling one story. You know, the Star Wars universe is probably bigger, but I don't know that those, you know, I mean, at least in my mind, you've got 
we'll call it three trilogies at this point that are really, really segmented, right? They're they're very they're three very specific trilogies within the Star Wars universe, whereas the MCU is twenty five films or whatever it is, plus a bunch of shows. And at least in my mind, they're all kind of moving through one universe, even though it it spans what is it? 50 years, 60 years, 80, whatever it is. I, I think they, I think they have done a better job building a cohesive universe. Now the caveat to that is obviously George Lucas didn't set out to build this cohesive universe when he started. So that's a long way to say, I just love the MCU and I really, really enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, that's fantastic because I couldn't agree more. I think that the MCU this would be a really great separate podcast, I think, Star Wars versus the MCU, not necessarily to pit them against each other, but just to talk about the impact on the culture and how it has affected movie making forever. And I think Star Wars will always get sort of the initial appreciation of innovating special effects in a way that had never been done before and storytelling for that matter. But Star Wars sort of took a different path, you know, not having the benefit of hindsight because they did episodes four through six, which we didn't know to be four through six. And then eventually they told us they were four through six and then did this prequel trilogy. And then they did the sequel trilogy. And then they basically said, well, everything else that we're going to do is sort of randomly sprinkled in between all nine of those movies. And Marvel sort of had a a starting point with Iron Man back in 2008, I believe it was. And Kevin Feige at some point got involved and then just created this universe and said, hey, I'm going to be the conductor for this train and I'm going to make sure it keeps going forward. And we're going to have a lot of cars in this train. There's going to be a lot of things that are going on, but we're all going to be pushing the same narrative. So they had the benefit of, of sort of seeing how all that stuff works and being able to do it the right way. But the thing that I feel like Marvel deserves more credit for is that they've, they've done a better job of telling more engaging stories. They've used characters that have existed for a while. So they had the benefit of taking comic book source material and turning that into movie, but that's not necessarily easy just because George Lucas had to create it all out of thin air you know, like a lot of that stuff doesn't translate well if you don't have good writers and good directors and good producers and things like that. And that's really what the Marvel Cinematic Universe did. And yes, honestly, if I have to be straight, I think that they have eclipsed Star Wars like by a significant amount at this point. And I still love Star Wars. It will always be my first love. And I will always tell my kids that Star Wars is better than Marvel. But I, you know, (laughs) Marvel... I don't know that that's true, to be honest. I think Marvel has figured out a way to do it better and more consistently over a longer period of time than Star Wars has. And I don't know that Star Wars can recover from that. I just don't think that they can. I think that they can still continue to do good stuff, but I don't think they can do what Marvel has done to this point. Yeah, you know, and and I think really what it it boils down to for me is that the highs of the MCU are just as high or maybe even higher than the highs from Star Wars but the lows are not nearly as low as some of the shitty Star yes. Wars content that we get. Yes. I, I think that's really what now I will. The caveat to that is I haven't seen, I haven't seen all of these, these kind of secondary and these little uh, one-off series from Marvel, but, but there's nothing remotely as bad in the MCU movies as some of the stuff that we've seen in the Star Wars movies. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. And you know, it is what it is. I think as time goes on, 
that will get better, but it'll be really interesting to see how Star Wars does it because they don't have, you know, Marvel takes this one story and they, they push it forward using many, many, many different characters in different movies. Like Star Wars doesn't really do that the same way. So it'll be interesting to see how they, how they kind of push this forward. Cause you know, they'll say, Oh, this week we're going to do a, a Boba Fett show. And next week we're going to do Ahsoka and then Obi-Wan Kenobi. And okay. But what are we doing? Like, we're just kind of peppering things at people. Whereas Marvel seems to have a plan, which is really encouraging. I agree. I agree. All right. We're up to your number three, sir. All right. So my number three was one of my absolute favorite moments of this entire year. And it can be summed up in one word. I guess it's a compound word, but we'll call it WrestleMania. WrestleMania 37 was one of the fucking greatest things that happened all year long. And it was it was just a really great experience. And it was fortunately one of the many times that I got to come out and spend time with you and your family in Cleveland. And we, this was, I think the first, no, maybe not. I, now I'm, I'm trying to remember, was this the first time that we got together for a two night WrestleMania? We've done it over zoom, but have we done it in person before this? I don't think so. We have not. No, because the first time they did a two night WrestleMania was last year because of COVID. So no, and, and no, and that was you, you stayed home. Uh, I'm yep. sorry. Yeah. You stayed home that year. So no, this was the first time that we were together for a two night event. So that was really cool because it forced me to come out early enough to, to spend a lot of time out there, which was great. Uh, the event itself was interesting. It didn't feature, you know, the greatest superstars like the John Cena's or the Brock Lesnar's, but did have one of the greatest pool comebacks ever that almost earned me the coveted John Cena trophy until I think it was, was it you or was it? It, it actually was Grayson. It actually was Grayson. So he okay. has won it. Yeah, I just I haven't even put the name on it yet, but he okay. did. It, yeah, Grayson actually did win. Okay, so so clearly there's some some uh, shenanigans going on because the <laughs> that that WrestleMania trophy has not left the Bellin household since we drunkenly purchased it at a Target so many years ago. Uh, but it was a great WrestleMania. It, you know, we had some cringeworthy moments from the likes of uh, Hulk Hogan, who you know gave some really aging, sketchy dialogue. And, you know, a guy named Bad Bunny, who I still don't know, but it did show some very competent in-ring skills for a guest performer, we'll say. Uh, honestly, the highlights for me for WrestleMania 37 were the women's matches. Uh, Bianca Belair won the SmackDown women's belt, and Rhea Ripley took home the uh, the Raw belt from Asuka. And, and, but, you know, this is all because Charlotte Flair didn't wrestle, you know, this was the first time I think in like five years or since she's, she's been in, in the WWE that she wasn't in WrestleMania, but there were some other good matches. There were some other great guy matches. I seem to remember Kevin and uh, Kevin Owens had a great match and the, the Roman Reigns match was really good as well. But I mean, the highlight for me obviously was the weekend in Cleveland featuring many great brewery stops and, and uh, lots of, lots of beers. I'm pretty sure, wasn't there was an annex burger in there somewhere if i remember correctly there there was i think i don't remember exactly when it was we, we the, the first bar of that weekend we went to some little some little shit bar in some <laughs> podunk town in ohio that was the best we okay so your son was playing he was going to a birthday party he's playing like paintball yeah paintball. <laughs> paintball and where, where where were we i can't even remember 
it, I don't know. It was like an hour from home. It was, it okay. was far. Yeah. So it was, it was far close. away. And we drove to this downtown backwoods uh, area <laughs> where they had this really sketchy dark lit bar that we just kind of strolled into. And we were the only ones in there. And you and I were doing a shot and a beer for, uh, for a couple rounds there. And that was probably my favorite part because it was just so completely random. And we walked in there and there was some old <laughs> weathered bartender who was uh, giving us drinks and we were watching like women's softball on ESPN. It was that early in the day that they yes. weren't even showing any reasonable, no offense to women's softball players, but no, like no, it was, there yeah. were no NBA games there were no NFL games. It was nothing like that. Well, obviously no NFL games in March, but the point being is that it was so early in the day that there was there were no sort of A-list premium sports to be shown. Not even any like regular programming. Not even just, golf, yeah. which yeah. kill me now. I mean, whether you like golf or not, it's not exactly, uh, you know, riveting television. So yeah. long story short, WrestleMania 37 made its way to my, my top three. Fantastic, fantastic event of 2021. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. That's yeah. And, and, and spoiler alert, you will, you will see WrestleMania 37 on my list as well. <laughs> um, so let's see my, my number, what is this? This is my, five, this three. Is my number three. Give me your this three. Is my number three. Uh, my number three is something we mentioned already is Halloween kills. Not, not only the movie, but our discussion afterwards, we talked about it already. So I won't belabor the point. I thought that movie was great. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's it's partly because I really love the 2018 film. And I thought this one did, it, it took some chances. It didn't go in the direction that I necessarily thought it was going to go in. And it, after some reflection, that's, that really pumped me up even, even more. I can't wait to see what Halloween ends gives us. I'm going to be thoroughly disappointed if it sucks, but for the time being, I can just bask in the glory that is Halloween kills. I just, I loved every, every minute of it. No, I, I come to really respect a movie that takes chances and kind of goes a little bit outside its comfort zone. And I really do think that this movie did that. And that is also one of the reasons that I really liked it. So a movie, even if I don't like it, gets a lot of respect for me. We talked a lot about The Last Jedi. That movie, actually, I think we made some comparisons to The Last Jedi in the Halloween Kills podcast. But that movie, much like Halloween Kills, took a very different path and and ultimately that's honestly one of my least favorite star wars movies but i respect the fact that they tried to do something very different with it halloween kills in my opinion was more successful with stepping outside the box because they really took the focus off of the relationship between michael myers and jamie lee curtis and focused on you know how would this how would these series of events impact a small town such as Haddonfield, Illinois. And I thought it, it went really well. I, I think it's portrayed in a way that, you know, I wouldn't want my town to do what they did, but I think that it's accurate. I think that it's something that I could see happening in a smaller town in, in the Midwest or, or anywhere for that matter. And, and for that, I really thought that it felt more authentic. So yeah, that, yeah. that's a great choice. Yeah, you can, you can absolutely see that happening. Whether you like it or not, you could see it happening. You got two more, sir. What's your number two? I do. And my number two is one thing that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet. You stole a little bit of my thunder with your solo podcast. But I have to say my number two moment of this entire year was Spider-Man No Way Home. That fucking movie 
shocked me. I was so in love with that movie. I, I mean, top to bottom, it was so good. I've seen it twice now. I saw it once in, a, in sort of a standard format, and then I went to see it in the IMAX, like a true IMAX. The Indiana State Museum, downtown Indianapolis, has a, a like a proper resolution IMAX that is that is fantastic. And I went to see it there, and it was just as good, if not better, the second time around. I was so impressed by this movie. I think that they finally found some really good footing with Tom Holland as Spider-Man. I don't think the other movies were bad. I think the first movie was decent. I thought the second movie sort of misstepped a little bit, but this third movie came out guns blazing and it was so good. And, you know, it was a great third entry in the series, which is really tough to find these days to find a third movie. That's good. Iron Man three didn't do anything for me. I thought it was kind of blah. And I'm not sure that we have, do we have any, well, I guess if you want to call uh, Civil War the third Captain America movie, that was that was the best Captain movie. Well, eh, right. It, it was it was arguably one of the best Captain America movies, but it's really hard to make a third movie as good as they made this movie. And it's the most fun I've had in a theater since probably Endgame. Uh, and that includes Star Wars, to be honest, which is more fodder for the Marvel uh, versus Star Wars conversation. But the one thing that I will say about this movie, and I will you know, reiterate the spoiler alert because I'm going to, I'm going to dive into this just a tad, but this movie was a masterclass in fan service and it absolutely showed Ghostbusters everything that they did wrong with that movie. And, and this movie is the reason that I actually, this made, this movie made me like Ghostbusters less. It made me feel worse about that experience, not because it was a bad movie, but because again, as I mentioned on a previous podcast, the thing that I wanted the most out of Ghostbusters was to see the return of the older characters and they, and they rolled them out of bed and threw them in the last five minutes of the movie. And it was just, it was so unsatisfying that it ruined the entire experience for me. Spider-Man No Way Home did such an amazing job. And I think where they deserve so much credit for me personally is that I'm not in love with Toby. I don't like Toby Maguire. I, I, and Andrew Garfield, I think is a better Spider-Man, but I didn't like his movies at all, but those two characters both came back for this Spider-Man movie. And I loved every fucking minute of it. They did such a great job of putting these, these three guys in the same room. And like, I was very moved about all the struggles that, that Tom Holland was going through and Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield were there to help him through that and then they all combined forces to you know to to win at the end of the day and it was just it was fantastic it was such a great mix of comedy and drama and and action and all of that stuff they just I, I can't say enough about this movie it was the best movie I saw all year it was such a great movie Spider-Man No Way Home that's my number two I I, I can't disagree with anything you just said. If I remember correctly, I sent you a text. So I saw that movie at 10 o'clock on the Friday. It came out on Thursday night yep. and I sent you a text and I said, no spoilers, but it was the end game of Spider-Man. Like it, 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 it did amazing things. It pulled everything together. And again, I, I did, I mentioned in the podcast, it pulled, it, it did, it pulled that entire Spidey verse together in a, in a way the, the same way that Endgame did. And you're right. It didn't just roll Bill Murray out in the last three minutes, right? It wasn't, no. I'll tell you, 
when, when they introduced Andrew Garfield in that movie, and again, I'm with you, I don't particularly care for Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man movies, but when they introduced him, like I was, I was cheering. I was all in. And then yes. when they brought Tobey Maguire in, yes. I, the, sa- the same thing, right? Yes. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more that it was amazing. That, that movie was outstanding. Yes. It was so good. And I can't wait to, to own it. Like that's a movie that I will buy. Like I will give them more of my money and say, thank you for that experience. And I might even buy it on physical media just so I can see it. Uh, it was, it was so good. And I realized that Marvel is going to jump the shark at some point and probably start not producing as good of movies as they have. But man, this is, especially after Endgame, I wasn't sure where they were going. Like Black Widow was okay. Shang-Chi was like, nah, do I, do I care? Do I need that? Uh, I didn't even bother to see Eternals. I think Eternals is the first Marvel movie I never even bothered to see in the theater. And I, I don't miss it. I, I'll watch it when it comes out on Disney Plus next month or whenever it does come out. But Spider-Man really put the shot of adrenaline back into this franchise that I felt like they really needed. I mean, they they found their Tony Stark, their their new Tony Stark. Like they Robert sure Downey Jr. is obviously not a not a big part of whatever happens moving forward. But I think Tom Holland needs to be that guy or at least the spider-man character is that guy so uh, great job bravo to everybody involved with that okay your number two sir my number two my number two is a combination of three conversations that we had during 2021 that i cannot tell you how much joy they brought me even though we were talking about some things that we didn't necessarily enjoy it was the deep dive podcast that we did about the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Oh, that was awesome. Though those conversations, when I when I think back to a year and a half or two years ago, before we had this podcast, those conversations are what I envisioned this podcast to be. That's that's what it was like. Just geeking out, nerding out, talking about the most trivial details of these movies that we either loved or hated or both or what have you. And I think, you know, between those three podcasts, you're probably talking about six or seven or eight hours worth of content. And Lord knows how long it took you to, to edit them. And and these are, these are three movies that I get in general, we didn't really care for at least, at least a couple of them, but I, but I absolutely loved every minute of every discussion there. So it's, it's, it's the combination of those three podcasts that we did. I absolutely totally enjoyed them. They were awesome. That is such a great choice. And it makes me really excited to go back and do this over the prequel trilogy, which I, I have a strong feeling that we'll probably do in 2022, uh, you know, for better, or for worse, we'll go through these movies and talk about them just because the experience of going through these deep dives is so much fun. And, and it can be a lot of work, you know, because we, I I drone on endlessly about the, you know, the plots and and all the things that happened through the movie, but I feel like between us, because we've been such passionate Star Wars fans for so long, there's so much good commentary there. And we, you know, we've talked about all this stuff before, but I feel like when we commit to doing it in a podcast, we really have to put our best foot forward and, and do our homework and study for it. And I'm looking forward to, to doing this for, you know, more movies next year but specifically i would i think we should call it out i think we should do the star wars prequel trilogy and rewatch those movies and go through those and remember what it was like to go back and see those and how excited we were star wars uh the phantom menace 
is still probably oh to God. this day the movie that I've seen Crazy. the most in the theaters. I saw that movie five fucking times from the Wednesday that it came out to the end of the following week. So like in week one, I saw that movie five times in the theaters and I, I, I just didn't even care. Like, I'm just give me more Star Wars like that. The idea of talking about all that and what it was like to revisit that universe, because you have to, you know, put yourself back in 1999 for a few minutes and realize, like, at that point, we never thought we'd ever see a Star Wars movie again. Certainly it was done. Not a yeah, sequel, uh, let yeah. alone prequels or anything. So it was that was pretty cool. But not to not to dwell on the prequels. But I agree so much with what you said, because going through those movies as a labor of love was really uh, it helped me. It, it was so cathartic for me because it really helped me try to figure out why I loved what I loved and why I hated what I hated. And if somebody comes up to me and asks me, you know, what do you think about those movies? That therapeutic podcast that we had about that sort of helps me be able to, to come to terms with that. And that may be way too much nerdiness for anybody listening to this, but in all seriousness like that, that helped a lot. So it was a really great experience. All right. You got number one. What do you got, sir? All right. So, so my number one is interesting because my number one actually just happened today and you don't even know about this yet. So this is kind of fun for me to unveil. And this is not even uh, maybe 10 and a half hours old at this point, but I'll start by saying that you and I both share uh, a great love over video games, right? And it's been a, a thing for us uh, for, for a very long time. And going back to my youth, you know, my first exposure to video games was probably the Atari 2600 and getting games like Pitfall and River Raid and, you know, Pac-Man, Donkey Kong and all that stuff. And, you know, eventually I got to the point where I got old enough and I would get to go to the mall and I will never forget going to Concord Mall in uh, northern Indiana and going to this place called Aladdin's Castle and Aladdin's Castle was an arcade and they had all, they must have had 40 50 arcade games in there and for you kids who don't remember what arcade games are uh, you know these stand-up arcade games where it only cost a quarter to play the game but you'd put that quarter in and you'd probably play for about a minute and a half because those games were so fucking hard that they would you know they would end almost immediately so you'd pump about four or five quarters in, or maybe you'd move on to the next machine and you'd play. And then, of course, video games graduated considerably over the, the years. Well, I managed to meet one of my all-time goals, one of my bucket list items of all time, and today I put a deposit down on a Miss Pac-Man machine that will go in my basement in three to four weeks, and I could not be more excited about it. And it's a really obnoxious thing to have on number one on my list. But I have wanted an arcade game in my basement for as long as I can remember. And you, of all people, fuel that fire so much because you had WWF WrestleFest in your basement in Solon when uh, I visited I multiple did. times over spring break. And I have purchased a, what is called what they call a multicade, which is basically it's a Miss Pac-Man cabinet. It's a full size five foot five and a half foot tall 250 pound arcade cabinet but it uh it has 60 games built into it but it's not a computer it's an actual board so it's a computer oh, nice. it's a board where 
you know, that, that matches with the, the monitor and everything like the refresh rate is, is ideal for everything. So uh, it, it's a little bit expensive, but it was a bucket list thing and I bought it today. I don't have it. It's they're actually going to, to make it for me. So it's going to take three to four weeks to get, but I'm crossing my fingers that if you're able to come and visit at the end of this month or at the end of January, that it will be here for you. And you and I can go head to head very, very drunkenly to, uh, to try to see who's going to get the Miss Pac-Man high score. But I'm, I'm so excited. And that's my number one nerd moment for 2021. That is, that is awesome. I'm really pumped for you. That's super exciting. And I'm remarkably jealous as well. So you'll, you have to, you'll have to let me know where you got that because I I might have to, I might have to follow in your footsteps and do the same kind of thing. That's awesome. Well, it just so happens that the company that I got this from that are called arcade rescue, they, they exist on the South side of Indianapolis. So you can actually, and like they, this, this arcade, uh, this, this machine can fit in the back of my car, allegedly. So I'm going to drive down there and pick it up and take it back home. So should you ever want to come here and, and do the same thing, you could do so very easily and avoid hundreds of dollars in delivery fees. So they have these, these multi-cade, which is sort of the traditional stand-up arcade. They also yeah. have what they call as a pedestal arcade, which uh, think of like your, your old school gauntlet or Teenage Mutant yeah. Ninja Turtle four player machines mm-hmm. with like no monitor. It's just cut off. So it, all you get is the controls and the buttons. You plug it via HDMI into your uh, into your monitor, into a TV, something like that. Oh, okay. And it comes with 1300 games. Wow. So like wow. every arcade game that you could ever imagine. Um, so you could do that or you could go the route that I went, which is a little bit more traditional. I wanted a Ms. Pac-Man machine like that's. Yeah. You hipped me to that many, many years ago, and it became my absolute favorite game of all time. And so when I started looking around, I said to myself, I want a Miss Pac-Man machine. Now, I don't want one that's 40 years old because it's got an old CRT uh, tube screen in it that's going to die. The mechanics are not going to live. These things are freshly built. They have LCD monitors so it, it's going to be, it's going to last forever. And I can play Galaga. I can play Miss Pac-Man. I can play Mr. Do. I can play Donkey Kong. I can play all these games that I love. And it's really, really cool. So I'm hoping it's going to be here by the time you may or may not come to visit next month. And uh, I'm, I'm so excited. That's, if that's you want tremendous. one, I can hook you up. I can, that's, uh, I, that's I can take you down yeah. there. That's awesome. That's, that's awesome. my number one. But without further ado, I can't wait. What is your number one top five nerd moment of 2021 well i you know what i i I can't i mean i can't remotely come close to that and 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 my number one moment is is a moment that we've actually already talked about so it's going to be kind of a letdown especially coming off your badass arcade but it's spider-man no way home i I mean that, that movie is fucking phenomenal it's so good i can't i just like you i can't wait to own it i can't wait to go through it i can't wait to look at you know outtakes and multiple easter eggs that i might have missed and this that and the other thing and and i also can't wait to see where they go because you know they they did some things in that movie you know it's all about the multiverse and and they brought in dr strange and there was an amazing cameo up front with with matt murdoch with daredevil yes. so excited it was the one i cheered at yeah and and so 
I, like you, I was really kind of worried coming off Endgame. Like, okay, so Phase Three is over. Where they're gonna go? Up, oh, they're starting to roll out these other characters that I really don't give a shit about. I don't care about the Eternals. I don't care about Shang Chi. I don't like. I just don't care, right? Yeah. And and goddamn, if they didn't do a great job of bringing me right back in and getting excited about it. And now, granted, that was a that was all Spidey characters. You know, but obviously you had you had Doctor Strange there kind of pushing that story along and 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 clearly they're not done with the multiverse. If you looked at the if you stayed for the end credits, you know, you, you had Scarlet Witch, you had Doctor Strange talking to Scarlet Witch and then coming next. You've got another Doctor Strange movie where it looks like he's there's going to be a multiverse version of him and he's going to be bad in this. And I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do when you start talking multiverse and I am all in and I cannot wait. I'm pumped. It's going to yeah, be amazing. Absolutely. I obviously I agree uh, considerably because my number two was uh, the same thing, but I think that th- they did a super fantastic job and I was really excited. I, I walked out of that movie with a lot of energy, but here, so I'll offer this. So, Tell me what you think. Do you think as a result of all of this craziness around this movie, because it made an enormous amount of money, like $50 million on the first night on a Thursday Mm -hmm. night, which eclipses, uh, I think it makes it the third most profitable movie on a Thursday night of all time uh, behind in a pandemic, no less in a pandemic behind force awakens and Endgame which, you know, say what you will about those movies, but I mean, they made billion dollars. Considering all the hype around this movie, do you think we'll see another Spider-Man movie around either Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield? It's a good question. And would you want to? Maybe the follow-up question. It's a good question. I'm going to say no. Not because they wouldn't make a shit ton of money and people wouldn't be looking for them. I don't know that. I don't know that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire want to go back into those worlds. Now, the Brinks truck will make will make a lot of decisions for a lot of people, but no, I I I don't. The the other problem that I think they they would run if they do that would be. Are are they are they spreading the Spider-Man character too thin? Because there's only there's only so many really well-known villains within the Spider-Man universe, and they've really already hit most of them, right? The big ones. And I mean, the reality is, uh, the, those actors that are playing not just the Spider-Man, but you know the Alfred Merlinas of the world, and Jimmy Fox like doesn't age, but uh, so he's a bad example, but. I, I don't know that the, I don't know that those characters are going to want to continue either. I, I might be totally wrong. The other thing too is is you know the, the whole Sony Spider-Man Marvel who owns what piece, right? I, I, I don't think they still really have that all figured out, which is why you really didn't get venom in that movie. You got him for a brief second at the very end, but that's because venom, I believe, is still a, a Sony property as well at least that version of venom yeah, that stuff is is all completely messed up at this point or at least from my perspective my understanding is that sony had announced that they will have tom holland in two or three more movies 
And I think he said, uh, not sure about that because I don't think he signed any contracts. So Spider-Man will forever be sort of between Sony and Marvel in that respect. But, but I think I, I sort of not, I don't know where I feel like that's going to fall either. What I will say for my own personal preference is that, again, I didn't like any of the Andrew Garfield movies, but I honestly think he might be the best Spider-Man. And after No Way Home, I absolutely would pay money to see another Spider-Man movie with Andrew Garfield. I don't know what mm -hmm. they would do for the bad guy or what the story means, but they gave him so many really great moments and so many teasers to other things that they could do with that character. You know, the fact that he, he didn't end up with anybody that he, you know, he, he went through this whole spiel about how he got really dark for a while and things went really, really bad for him. I think there's a lot of stuff that they could do there. Now, does Andrew Garfield want to play Spider-Man again? I don't know. I kind of think that he would take the opportunity to do it. He doesn't need to do it. I think Andrew Garfield's arguably the finest actor out of all those three. Uh, so he probably doesn't need to. But I also think that he really loved being Spider-Man and really felt like that was a, a big thing for him. So there's some internet campaign some hashtags going around about trying to get Andrew Garfield back in those blue and red tights again I gotta be honest I'd love to see it after what they did they had some really great moments for him including that moment where he saved MJ which was very subtle but still very very powerful because it obviously called back to when uh, Gwen Stacy died and yeah. all that and, and it was I mean I almost teared up in that moment you know when he's like are you okay and she looks at him and she's like are you okay it, it was so moving. I'm like, I want more of that. Like, I really, really do. I could, I could give two shits if I see Tobey Maguire again. I, I don't think we yeah. need a 50 year old Spider-Man swinging around town with back problems. And that's the problem with Tobey Maguire. And it's not his fault. He's just, he's too old to play Spider-Man. That's the problem, right? I mean, they even made, they even made the joke about it in the movie where they're like, are you going to go as Spider-Man? Are you going to go as the youth pastor? Like he just, <laughs> he just doesn't, you know, he just great, doesn't, he just, he just doesn't look the part anymore. And again, it's not his fault. You know, a character like Batman or Iron Man can really age gracefully. Spider-Man really can't. Spider-Man is supposed to be that kind of younger kind of whippersnapper kind of character. Yeah. That being said, I, I would agree with you. I think I think it was very clear that Andrew Garfield is clearly the best of the three quote actors of that of that so bunch. much. Yeah. And 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 I would also agree, and maybe this maybe this was just him doing a really good job acting, but he clearly was having a good time with that stuff, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and again, you know, we we have we've invoked negatively multiple times here, Bill Murray. He wasn't doing Bill Murray in afterlife, right? He wasn't just there he was he 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 was happy to be there he was enjoying himself and again either either he actually was enjoying himself or he was acting either way it doesn't matter it, it that's the way it came off yeah i agree that's and that was my comment uh towards fan service earlier like they just did it right they got some people who wanted to be a part of that and it just seemed you know i compare it to force awakens with han solo you know han solo has no rev or excuse me harrison ford has no reverence to han solo like he doesn't give a shit about star wars he doesn't engage fans who want to talk about star wars he doesn't care about any of that but when he showed up for the force awakens he acted like he really wanted to be there and that's a sign of a good actor and whether mm -hmm. or not andrew garfield or toby mcguire really wanted to be there once they got on screen they they sold me like they their performance told me that they were all in for what they were doing. And that's all I'm asking for. It's just act like you give a shit. And 
sorry to keep going back to this, but that's what the Ghostbusters did wrong, uh, you know, in, in the last 10 minutes of that movie. But, you know, so be it. But that's awesome, though. Right. That's that's a great number one. I think that that was, it could have easily been my number one had it not been for my my purchase oh, this yeah, morning. For um, sure. But that was that was great. I mean, I honestly, I don't know that I'll go see it in the theater yet, but I, I'm anxious to watch it yet again when I have yeah. the opportunity. So yeah. good, good flick. All right. You got, uh, you got an honorable mention or two. Yeah. I dug up one honorable mention. We talked a lot about all of the things that we love to talk about on this podcast, movies, music, uh, all of that wrestling. This one does go back to music and my concert going, because I had the opportunity to see a lot of concerts this year. And I wouldn't say a lot, but a couple of them, but I did get to check one off the list in sort of a unique way. And that was, uh, I got to see, Guns N' Roses at uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium here in Indianapolis. Now, Guns N' Roses is a band who I absolutely love. I think they have one of the best, if not the best, debut album of all time that I might have to fight anybody who disagrees with. It's just fantastic. It's phenomenal. And we all know the history of Guns N' Roses and the, the breakups of the band and the different members and all that. The reason I put this on my list is that this was the first time I got to see Axel on stage with Slash playing guitar. So my first time to ever see Guns N' Roses was in the early 2000s when Buckethead was playing with them. And, and honestly, that was good. Like they were they were a good band. It was a good iteration of it. But it just, it wasn't the same. Like I don't want to pay to see Buckethead. I don't want right. to pay to see a guy wearing a, a mask and a Kentucky Fried Chicken bucket on his head. Like he's a great guitar player. I, I don't want to take anything away from him, but Guns N' Roses to me is Axel and Slash and Duff and, you know, fill in the blanks from there. The drummer. Yeah. Well, yeah. Whoever's drumming in this case, it was, uh, I don't even know who's drumming for them to be honest, but uh, it wasn't Steven Adler. It wasn't Matt Sorum. It was somebody else. Somebody else. Yeah. And um, so I got to see Guns N' Roses and they played in Indiana, which they hadn't played in a very, very long time. And most people should hopefully know Axl Rose is actually from Indiana and doesn't do a lot of, doesn't make a lot of references to actually being from Indiana, but he got up on stage and he said, Hey, it's nice to be home. And everybody cheered. And I just thought it was a great moment. I will say that Axl sounds certainly not as good as he did, 25 years ago but he pulled off what i would consider to be a pretty admirable show considering that the guy goes out there and plays every song you could possibly think of from guns and roses and plays velvet revolver and throws a couple cover songs in there so it was a really great show and he sounded as good as i could have hoped for slash was great it was awesome to get a chance to see him live and the whole thing was topped off with a really nice cherry that Mammoth WVH was the opening act. And for those that don't know, Mammoth WVH is Wolfgang Van Halen's uh, band. So Wolfgang Van Halen, obviously being the son of uh, my guitar hero and, and favorite musician of all time, Sir Edward Van Halen. And I did buy Wolfgang's album that he put out, which was surprisingly good. Really, really solid. Uh, Wolfgang played and sang and did everything on that album. Not, not one musician appears on that album outside of Wolfgang Van Halen. So he wrote it, he sang it, he played bass, drums, guitar, keys, everything that he, everything on that album he did. So it was an incredibly admirable 
freshman effort by him. And it was a really cool opportunity to be able to see him uh, play live because I, I don't know if I would get the opportunity or if I would even take it to go see him live in a, in a smaller club. But he went out there, he played, he was really, really good. And I was really happy for him. And he seems to be a, a really bright, shining star. And I'm hoping that he, you know, he continues to put out really great music and has a great career. But that was my, uh, that was my honorable mention, seeing Guns N' Roses and Wolfgang Van Halen's Mammoth WVH at the Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. That's really cool. That's awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad you got to see them. One, one more final note on Spider-Man. That movie has made to date $1.18 billion already. And it's been I out mean, like, I don't know, a couple two of weeks. weeks. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. And again, I will reiterate in a pandemic that's, yes. you know what I mean? Like that is even more insane. It's crazy. It's Bravo. just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So. Great job. I have two brief honorable mentions. One, one is, is much more important to me than the other, but, I, but I mentioned it. We talked about it. WrestleMania 37 was amazing. It was awesome to get together once again. It was awesome to, the, I mean, the show was good. The, yeah. the company was better. The, uh, the, the brew, the random breweries, the random fucking bar with the, with the uh, <laughs> not, not so fit bartenderist that, uh, you know, had no, just had no idea how to even, poor draft beers it was it was amazing i i always look forward to when we get together and and uh i'm i'm very much looking forward to uh to coming out there and visiting you and your and your miss pac-man machine and, and that kind of thing so um and, and then and then my other one is a moment is a moment from a movie uh that we talked about and it's a movie that that um it's from ghostbusters it is, I know that we have belabored the point that Bill Murray really kind of mailed it in, but the last, the last four or five minutes of that movie, when we see the Ghostbusters together and we see Egon and, and they get together and they defeat Gozer. And I know that it's been done before, but, but those, you know, when you finally see Egon's ghost and he embraces with his granddaughter, embraces with his his daughter, you know, Winston gives him the side eye. Like that's what I wanted that movie to be. And I'm glad that I got at least that, that couple minutes, it could have been so much better and it should have been so much better, but I'm glad I got at least that. And so that was an honorable mention moment for 2021 for me. Yeah. I think I'm being really harsh on ghostbusters, but it's, I, I need to be clear about this. Like it's not a bad movie. It really isn't. It's it was just severely disappointing because I wanted them to do uh, what Spider-Man No Way Home did with their, mm -hmm. with the, you know, characters from the other universes only in this case, you know, the older characters from, from the original movies. I mean, you know, I thought a little bit about this, not to continue this <laughs> too much, but like Ghostbusters to me, it doesn't exist without those original cast members. It just doesn't. And it, it, I don't know how you can replicate the magic that they did, which is why the 2016 reboot with the women, the female Ghostbusters, it just didn't work for me. I, I didn't appreciate it. I didn't, I didn't love it, even though they had the cameos. I, I think that those characters are so integral to what ghost, like if, if it's just three random dudes going around shooting ghosts, like I don't care about that. It's about the, chemistry between Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson and Harold Ramis that is so magical about that movie series 
And the fact that they couldn't pull them together to be any credible part of that last story was just, it was more disappointing than anything. But I want to be clear, like it wasn't a bad movie. I didn't not enjoy it. I just had all my hopes sort of completely let down by what I had envisioned and what I wanted and what they gave me. And then Spider-Man No Way Home just kind of completely hammered that point by saying, yeah, this is how we do it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I wanted. I wanted them to be in the movie for more than five minutes. But anyways, yeah, yeah, I want to, I just, I guess I got to stick up for it. Like Ghostbusters wasn't a bad movie, but I I agree with you. All right. So we made it, we made it through another podcast. My voice held out. We made it through 2021. We made it through another year. So I'm, I'm really excited that we got a chance to talk again, again, as we record this, it is December the 30th. So uh, I hope you have a wonderful New Year's celebration tomorrow evening. I hope you and all of our listeners continue to stay happy and healthy and safe as we go into another year of this fucking pandemic. Hopefully we're going to kick it in the ass here in 2022. But uh, any last words before we sign off for the evening? It's been a fantastic year of podcasting. It's been one of my favorite things that I've done all year. And I thank you for that. And without you, we... We wouldn't have this and it's been an absolute blast. So I appreciate you. I appreciate our listeners. I appreciate everybody. And uh, yeah, it's, I can't wait for the next year. All right. Uh, Happy new year, folks. That has been Mr. Pip. My name is Chewy and this has been the 411 from 406. Happy new year, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Adios. Adios.